Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Germain, and I'm a congregational consultant with Troubling the Waters. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we are back. Woohoo! We're excited. This is the first episode we've recorded since before Christmas, <laughs> just to let you all behind I the curtain. I think people actually bit. probably picked up on it because we talked a couple of times about preparing for like mm-hmm. Christmas and the mm-hmm. holidays, mm-hmm. even though Christmas had arrived by mm-hmm. the time they were listening. Yeah. Well, you said it. You said as much in your God sighting on the episode that came out this last week, which yeah. was, by the time you hear this, it will have been far in the past. But anyway, but we're live now. I mean, not to you still now, because we've, <laughs> when you were listening to this, it will have been recorded oh, a week Lordy. ago, but I'm just, we I just want everybody to know what's the truth, you know. Welcome back to uh, the Faith to Go podcast. We're in the season after Epiphany, which is also an ordinary time. Mm-hmm. Green again. Green again for, for a few weeks until Lent starts. On so, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, that's right. So we've got like a month, six weeks before Lent. But we are talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, January 21st, 2024, the third Sunday after the Epiphany. We have to do a God sighting. We do. Yeah. And David, yeah. I think it's your turn. To do a God sighting? Well, and David, as you know, it is your turn to do a God sighting. <laughs> yeah, I do know. And it can either be that. a desolation yep. or it could be a consolation. I have one that is both. Oh. Mm-hmm. God is very complex. I just feel like that needs a moment of silence. Infinitely complex, Charlotte. In the Iran's position? I can't. I have no other way of responding to what you said except this position of my body. Okay. In total praise of your words of wisdom. God is infinitely complex, in mm-hmm. fact. And so I have a moment that was both a consolation and a desolation. We returned home from our travels for Christmas. I don't even know what day it is. It's Monday. It was like five days ago. We got back on like a Wednesday evening. And then I think it was the next morning, Thursday morning. It was one of the first couple mornings that we were back. And the kids were still on central time uh, in their bodies and because we were in Kansas City. And so they got up at like five o'clock in the morning. And we had a lot of time yeah, before did. school started, even though school starts ridiculously early uh, at 7.50 a.m. Um this happens but this happens often, even when there's only like 45 minutes to get ready. Some days we go through the entire range of human emotion mm-hmm. yeah, before 8 a.m. Uh, just as a family with a five and a three-year-old in it. There are no dull mornings. This particular morning, George, our oldest, was writing <laughs> he was writing a Christmas list for next year. He was getting a jump jump on the on that task so that Santa had plenty of time uh, to figure out. I'm sorry, St. Nicholas mm. had plenty of time in that old bishop's toy shop that he has <laughs> to put together, to the, put together the Cope and Minor. <laughs> yeah. So Georgie's working hard, you know, spelling all these words and asking me for letters and things like that. And then Fritzy, the three-year-old, runs up and scribbles on it with a marker. Oh, oh no. my God. It was the oh, end no. times. It was the last, it was the end of days. And George, what did George do? George just, he got just so sad. And I maybe pushed him. 
I don't know. There was retaliation. Someone threw a block. Someone threw something else. They had to be separated. You know, it was a whole thing. And then they were just so mad. And it happens a lot, <laughs> you know? I am really devoted to, you know, restorative justice practices. <laughs> I'm still learning how to go about that kind of reconciliation, rest restoration in these kind of three and five-year-old yes. relationships. Very different. You know? <laughs> Where there's a lot of retribution, mm -hmm. you know. I think why it's so hard is because it requires me as a parent to just like sit there and be in these really painful emotions with the children to create that space for them to just feel them instead of saying like, it's okay. We can make another one. We can write it all over again. In that moment, we're working towards restoration when he can just feel the feeling all the way through, you know? And so I like to say like, when one of them does something to the other, it's like, what could you say or do mm -hmm. to help them feel better instead of you need to apologize, which I think is a different thing. It was like probably 30 minutes of one or both of them crying and still like trying to hit each other and throw more things. And I got hit in the head with a block. Contest. No one apologized to me <laughs> after that. But anyway, I'm fine. Anyway, by maybe like the 30 minute mark, which was now like 6.15 a.m., they had both calmed down and like they came to each other and they both said they were sorry to the other one. And they each said that they forgave the other one. And then they hugged each other. Oh. George said, you know what? I can still read what's on the paper. I'm going to keep working on it. And Fritz was like, yeah, you can still see it. Well, I mean, he's three years old, so he doesn't. So. And then they just kind of were good. And they kept playing. Mary Lynn and I just had this moment of like looking at each other and just being like so thankful for them and for that painful moment that was an opportunity for reconciliation and mostly like it's such a crazy experience being a parent because you're like so much parenting yourself mm -hmm. as well as your children and like or this is my experience at least is like I am trying to create for them the conditions in which I wish I had been parented at grown up you know and so like I'm just like we just had this moment of being like so feeling such gratitude for this, be able to form them in a way that they know how to reconcile with one another. Yeah. Just like sit in their emotion and be okay with whatever it is and to express that to each other and to not just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go their separate ways as if nothing had happened, but like to really feel all the feelings and to like feel them deeply and then to be able to move forward with it genuinely behind them so anyway it was both a desolation because it was exhausting and a consolation because they're so sweet and they're like it's not a basic like human intuitive mm -hmm. thing to reconcile yeah <laughs> it is not that is a that's a thing we learn and like have to work out as a muscle it's good to see them working it out well and i think also one of the things i took from what you were saying is that conflict is hard at any age mm -hmm. And that there is always the desire to jump yeah. to be past it mm -hmm. and not to honor the fact that sometimes we're not past it that quickly and to be able to sit in those uncomfortable mm -hmm. feelings mm -hmm. for a time. Mm -hmm. And so what a gift for your sons to be able to have that time to learn early mm -hmm. that sometimes you have to, to wallow. Yeah. <laughs> 
Or throw a block. Yeah. <laughs> right? Don't throw blocks. Either. Don't throw, throw blocks, blocks, especially not big ones no. or sharp ones. Mm -hmm. But regardless, like that it is an opportunity to think about like what would the world look like if mm -hmm. we all learn to sit in the discomfort a little bit mm -hmm. and to address conflict in a way mm -hmm. that resulted in mutual healing. Mm -hmm. And also like the exact same thing happened this morning. Not the exact same thing, but the, it happened this morning again. So which was fine. And like this morning, Georgie pushed Fritzy. Fritzy fell his head. And then George came up. Then he like, you know, went and calmed down his body <laughs> with Marilyn. And then he came back and was like, I'm sorry, Fritzy. But Fritzy was still so sad mm -hmm. and, and hurt. And he said, I'm not okay. That was Fritzy Fritz said. Yeah. And so we weren't like, no, Fritzy, you have to say I forgive yeah. you. It was like, well, George, Fritzy's not ready to forgive you. And George did not like that. That is equally uncomfortable <laughs> to have like said, I'm sorry, and the person's not ready yet. And then it took like another probably five or 10 minutes until Fritzy like really did genuinely calm down and like was happy again and smiley. And then he went and he said, I forgive you, George. After George had asked like four or five times, you know, so I think that's a kind of a hard space to hold as well. Yeah. Like when one person is ready to to apologize, the other person is not ready. One person's ready to reconcile and the other person is not, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know. So Well, thank you for sharing that, David. Both the desolation and the consolation. Mm. What a complex, complex God. We would always love to hear from you. You know, if you have uh, God sighting, consolations, or desolations, or both, if you'd like to share anything about your ministry context that you're excited about that's going on in the world, if you have any questions or comments or stories from Week of Faith discussion and reflection, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in contact with us by emailing us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can follow us or direct message us uh, or tag us on Instagram at faith2go, and all the ways of getting in contact with us are listed in the description for this episode. And now we are going to move on to the gospel, which is, again, for this upcoming Sunday, January 21st, 2024, the third Sunday after the Epiphany, in year A, B. <laughs> yes, we're in year B now. In year B. Mm -hmm. The gospel for this upcoming Sunday is Mark 1, verses 14 to 20. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll have a little context, and then we'll each have a point. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left behind their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. All right. That's all of it. Wow. I know. It happens fast. It really does happen fast. I mean, they just get up there. There's go, 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 go. Was it last week that we talked about calling of Philip? Mm -hmm. It's so crazy because, like, John has all this detail, you know, about these calling stories. And Mark's like, no, he just walked up and they were like, all right, let's do it. And that was it. Well, and I wonder, like, did the net even get fixed? Because they were mending the nets. <laughs> what happened to the dad? <laughs> Poor guy. with the hired men. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So sad for him. Here we are, as we just said, in Mark's gospel, which moves much faster than the other ones and provides a little less detail than the other ones. Um, but we heard the beginning of Mark, uh, the story really just before this, at the beginning of Advent, 
which was about John the Baptist. And so this is the thing that happens right after Jesus is uh, baptized and then goes out into the desert, comes back after those 40 days. And then um, John is arrested. And that's all we know, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that John is arrested. And then Jesus starts his ministry in Galilee. Uh, and that all happens in 14 verses. Yes. <laughs> so like the baptism of Jesus is the is verses 9 through 11. The tempting in the wilderness, his time in the wilderness, verses 12 and, 12 13. and 13. That's it. And then 14. So all that stuff about Jesus having the conversations with Satan and all that, that's not in here. You know, that's in, uh, that's in Matthew. Uh, we just have a different different kind of story from Mark. So, so it's I like it personally. I think it's fun. I think it like it leaves a lot of room for imagination, which I think is cool. Anyway, that's where we are. Uh, just in the middle of the this first verse of Mark, where things have already happened. So much has happened, and Charlotte's got the first point. I do, and I want to reflect that one of the other things I like about Mark is that it does make me go and look up things in the other Gospels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because sometimes I'm looking at it and I'm like. That's it? Uh-huh. That's all we've got? Uh-huh. Wait, there has to be more than that. And so, like, I do find that it spurs me in a uh-huh. way that, like, when we're in Luke, I don't necessarily feel like I need more detail. Right. Mm-hmm. But in Mark, I oftentimes will be like, what does Matthew have to say yeah. about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that said, mm-hmm. I have the first point. And my first point comes at the very beginning of this short section that we're reading today, which starts with, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And I was thinking about that twofold, because as you just said, as part of the context, we had Jesus's baptism and we talked about that as we have Many, Mm -hmm. many times. times. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't get the temptation. Mm -hmm. We don't get being driven into the wilderness or any of the temptation stories. The next story we get is this in Mm -hmm. John's arrest. So we know that Jesus has had experiences since his baptism before he gets here. But this sentence that comes at the beginning now after John was arrested to me, feels like a catalyzing event. And that was something that I resonated deeply with because I think that most of us at some point in our lives can think about something that changed us in an instant. And it doesn't matter what journey we were on or what preparation we had been doing up until that date. There always seems to be, not always, but often seems to be something that'll happen that will be like the thing that compels us to move forward in a new way not the way we were before. We are now forever changed because of something that has happened and we are driven into this new way of being afterwards. And this sentence here feels like that for me, especially when we think about Jesus and John's relationship, everything that John says about preparing the way for the one that will come after him. And so then when John is arrested, it Jesus's ministry begins right then. And yet we also get this mirror from Jesus. The language that he chooses that we get in this second part of the phrase that I'm highlighting mirrors John's language Mm -hmm. of repentance, because that's what John was preaching was this repentance. He was preparing for Jesus and preaching repentance. We have many times perhaps enjoyed the way John comments on the world, Mm -hmm. you know, calling people broods of vipers. Mm -hmm. But we do know that repentance is not a shame-based Thing, that that is not actually what is it intended to be. It is not naming that you are awful and you know that you are damned to eternal suffering, cast into the outer darkness, any of those things. Repentance is simply an opportunity to try again, to turn around and do it a new way. 
And so when John is preaching repentance, he's, he's calling people back who have perhaps wandered off the path and inviting them to come back because the kingdom of God is coming. Mm. And so then here we have Jesus, who is starting his ministry, again, telling people to come back, to come back to wholeness, to come back to a new way of doing things. And so we get repent, but then we also have immediately after it, and believe. Mm -hmm. So it's turn around and come back, and believe. And I think because we talked about this during Advent, and I was thinking so much about what it means to trust in God, that I really feel compelled in a way that believe is also to like trust in the work of the kingdom mm-hmm. that Jesus is calling us to, especially because it's the beginning of his ministry. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about like the people that he's calling and if he's calling them out of the boat, like, is he like, repent and believe, you know, mm-hmm. come back to the way, come back to the shore, walk on this path with me and trust in the work of the kingdom, participate in the work of the kingdom. And I just love that mirrored image, but it's not just mirrored, it's enhanced. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation into a newness that it seems to be, that he's hearkening back to what they've already heard, mirroring this language that is from John, and then inviting them into what is next, repent and believe, mm-hmm. come back and trust. Mm-hmm. And I just like it. I like that idea of thinking about how when we have had these catalyzing events in our own life, these things that call us either into a new way of being or remind us to come back to who we all already were. And particularly when it is doing kingdom work, particularly when it is walking with God, walking with Christ in a way, mm-hmm. that it's really important to know that it's not just about getting back on the path, mm-hmm. but trusting in the relationship and believing in the work of the kingdom and choosing to do that work. Mm-hmm. I am um, thinking similarly about Jesus's relationship to John and the way he's echoing John's words and John's ministry. And I was struck this morning, whenever I am getting ready for the podcast, I always look at the Greek words. Yes, you do. Just in case, you know, you never know what you're going to find. I was on my trusty Bible hub. Yes, you were. You can very easily pull up the Greek words, and then when you click on a Greek word, it'll give you the, not only the, like, the Strong's uh, lexicon definition, but also all the other occurrences of that word in the New Testament. I was like, I wonder what's the deal with this word, follow me, you know, because it's such a central part of the story. I mean, there's like two, there's like two hinges of this story. One is the kingdom of heaven is drawing near, you know, like repent and believe. And then Jesus moves on and and starts inviting people into that ministry. And so I'm wondering like what, what this, I was wondering what this word follow, follow me is. And so I looked it up and it's the word opiso. You like that word? I love it. Yeah. It is the same word as when... John says, there is one coming after me. And it's the same word that Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, later on in Mark. And those, I just was looking at the ones from Mark. And so I thought it was really interesting um, thinking about how, like, the, the definition really is, like, something behind, after. There's, like, this back returning kind of feeling to it, going backwards. Like, later, another part in Mark, it says, like, if anyone was to turn back, you know, and go back. That's the same word. Opiso. Opiso. That's right. 
I've always been intrigued by Jesus's relationship to John. And like, I was thinking like if Mark uses the same word here as John uses to talk about Jesus earlier, like, and we translate that one as there's one coming after me. And we translate this one as come and follow me. Like, why would we translate them differently? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, what if we translated them the same, you know? And, there, and, it, and John is saying, like, there's one who follows me that is more powerful than I. He's going to be the one that takes up this mantle. It's like, why does Jesus, like, kind of burst onto the scene at this moment, you know? It seems important that John baptizes Jesus. Jesus goes into the desert. John is arrested. And then Jesus starts his ministry. So there's no real overlap between John's ministry and Jesus's ministry. And so I'm struck by that and like just thinking like, it seems cool because like Jesus seems then to be like picking up what John has been carrying mm-hmm. and then carries it on himself. And then the first thing he does is to go find the people that are then going to carry it on after him, you know? So like the first thing is proclaiming this good news finding people that will carry on that good news after he's gone. It's all about sustainability. <laughs> Continuity and sustainability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I love that because then it's like, then what do the disciples do like after Jesus is gone? You know, they have their kind of time of turmoil, of testing in the wilderness. They don't know what's going to come next. And then Pentecost happens, you know, and then they are equipped to go and do that very same thing. And then they all end up having like communities of people that follow them. And then they all have community, and then all of those people, you know, it's like everyone is inviting more people to be fishers of people, essentially. They're not recruiting people to like worship Jesus necessarily. They're recruiting people to help draw closer and closer to the kingdom of heaven, which is what Jesus asked these people to do, right? He doesn't walk up to them and say, hey, drop your nets and worship me. Mm. That would be kind of a weird thing to say. Instead, he says, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. The time is fulfilled. Drop your nets and follow me so you can take up this work. And I'm going to show you how to draw people into this kingdom of heaven. Because that's what you do when you're fishing. You're casting out a net and you're drawing the fish in. I love that we can think of ourselves then if we follow this like great chain of kingdom workers, as, as you called it, kingdom work. Like we are connected all the way back to John and John is connected all the way back to those who preceded him, you know, cause he's picking up the mantle of Moses and Isaac and Jacob and Elijah and Abraham and all the people that came before him. There's so much hope in that. Mm-hmm. And I think also that is like Jesus's words are so important because he's saying it's not the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near and there's work to do, you know? And so we're just part of this long lineage of people doing the work of bringing the kingdom of heaven closer and closer to being here and widening the net of the kingdom of heaven so that all people can be included and like drawing people closer and like doing our own work to draw closer to the kingdom of heaven. So I also just love that like Jesus connects their like current vocation to work that they can do with him to bring about the kingdom of heaven. Such a cool recruiting tactic by Jesus to say, you are fishermen, but I could show you how to fish for people. You know, that like, you don't have to leave behind everything you've ever been. You don't have to leave behind the thing you're good at. In fact, the thing you're good at can just like take on a different form and you can use that to bring about the kingdom of heaven. 
So there isn't like this conformity as to how everybody has to do it the same way. It's like you use your gifts, the things that you have experience in. Every single thing you do can be used as a tool for bringing about the kingdom of heaven, which I think is really cool as well as we think about our place in that lineage of, of workers, of followers, you know? I love that. That's like this invitation to, to pick up where Jesus left off, just like the disciples picked up, just like the people that were there, communities picked up. And, you know, we're just kind of picking up from the, the people that are working for justice and equity and whoever those people are in our lives. We, we love them, we follow them, and then, and then they die or they're arrested or something happens and we pick it up from them and we carry it on, you know. And so it's never really about just being passive witnesses to something over there, but taking part, you know, when it's our turn. So, And walking with them, like holding our own share of the blanket for a season too. But also like naming one of the things that occurred to me is I know that I made light at the beginning about like what happened did those nets get mended or not because, mm-hmm. you know, they got called out of that. But isn't that interesting too, if we think about that broad, not just broadening the net, mm-hmm. but that there's people who need to mend the net. Yep. That there are seasons in which things get torn mm-hmm. um, or get lost or misplaced mm-hmm. or all of those things. And I love the thought process of it doesn't say, you know, that they were out there catching 100 fish at right. a time. It says that they were in the boat mending the nets. Right. And he says, come and follow yeah. me. And so that means in addition to being fishers, we also need net menders. Mm-hmm. And we need people who will help carry the blanket and the partnership. And that mm-hmm. it, it really does take all of us in some capacity that all of the gifts are needed gifts. Mm-hmm. It is a willingness to come and be part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone has like a role. Everyone mm-hmm. has a part to play mm-hmm. in this, you know, in this unfolding. So, all right, well, those are our two points for this week. Point number one was Charlotte's, thinking about that phrase, repent and believe, trusting in the work and wondering about like what it, what it, <laughs> it's okay. Greg threw a block at me. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> you guys, who's going to cry first? We can all cry together <laughs> when we're invited into new ways of being, you know, trusting in that process and, and returning to ourselves. And then mine was about picking up the work from those who have come before us, you know, paying attention to the people that we are inspired by, you know, that we believe are doing the work of the kingdom of heaven and that we, that we can learn from and then continue to do those practices that we learned from Jesus and from all these, these, this lineage of people that have been practicing what Jesus practiced too. So we would love to know what your point would have been if you'd been with us on the podcast this week, if you'd been our guest. Uh, We'd also love to know if you have any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. We'd like to know if you have any God sightings, consolations or desolations, or con-desolations, if you will. You can always get in contact with us in all those ways listed in the description for this episode. We'll be back next week to talk about the gospel for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. For January 28th, 2024. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.